Hi there, I'm Tonya. And my name is Regan, and this is The Student Sessions. In our fourth series, we look behind the filter, interviewing the newly published authors of our brand new book, The Truth Behind the Filter, who chat to us about how they've been able to overcome setbacks, celebrate their successes, and live life away from behind the filter. We are pleased to be joined today by one of our newly published authors, Kira Martin, who's featured in our recently published book, The Truth Behind the Filter. Hi, Kira, how are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. I've never done a podcast before, so I'm very excited to be here. Hey, we are so excited to have you on. It's going to be a great episode. I just, I just feel it. I just feel it in my bones. Um, so today, the main theme of this episode is dealing with sudden and big changes in our lives and how we can try and deal with anxiety. So Kira is going to talk about her real lived experiences in these topics and explain how she has journeyed through them to come out stronger. Uh, so before we get into all of that, um, it'll probably be best for our listeners to kind of know a little bit about yourself. So why don't you give us a little bit of uh, introduction? Yeah, so I'm Kira. I'm 23 and I graduated from university last year. I did my undergraduate in, in education studies um, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do after. So I was self-employed for a little bit. Um, but now I'm doing a business administration apprenticeship. So slightly changing my path, but still in the education sector. Um, and yes, yeah, so it's my first full-time job now. It's been a big change, as Regan just said, like we're going to talk about a lot of changes. So that's my most recent change, but I'm really enjoying it so far. Amazing. I mean, that's really great to hear that you've been um, enjoying it and been doing well at it as well. Um, so let's jump into your story can you just talk um to us where your story starts so my story starts I kind of it, it mainly centers around when I dropped out of university I did give a bit of background context in my chapter sort of what happened to me growing up but especially through my teenage years I found those years quite tough um with my parents divorcing and just like being a teenager growing up I was dealing with a lot of mental health issues anyway so I did kind of touch on that um but my chapter does focus around when I dropped out of university, how I dealt with that change, how I sort of came to terms with it and that it was OK to change my path. So that's kind of what it focuses mm -hmm. around. So, you know, you, you touched on there about your kind of childhood um, and going through, you know, that kind of sudden family change and that kind of dynamic shift. Um, I think in your chapter, you kind of talked about what it was like you know, to then experience life outside of the home and how, you know, journeying through school was then quite difficult. What, what was it like after all of this was happening? Um, as, as, as I sort of said in the chapter, it was just like, there was just so much transition all going on at the same time. I had to sort of come to terms with the fact that I didn't live with both my parents anymore and none of my friends had really been through that either. So I didn't really know who to talk to. So I think especially in my later years of secondary school I was just so like alone with my thoughts so I didn't know who to talk to about it um and I just really bottled it up and I just remember like sitting in my bedroom quite a lot feeling really lonely and isolated and just struggling with all those thoughts and feelings and at the same time I was doing my GCSEs mm -hmm. um and I had my first panic attack I think when I was about 15 after a maths lesson um so so then sort of my last year of school I was in and out of doctors and seeing therapists like trying to deal with all that um so there's just a lot going on I think sort of between the ages of like 13 to like 18 mm. um, which I really struggled with 
And I was, I was going to ask, do you think it sort of affected your kind of educational life of in terms of like grades and things like that? Uh, I, it didn't really affect my grades. Somehow it didn't. I think I use education a lot as a way to distract myself. Mm-hmm. Like if I was, I really just wanted to like get into college or get into university. So I was always just focusing on the next thing. So I think I just use like education and exams to be like, right, I can concentrate on this. So I don't have to think about everything else. But then as years went by, everything else that was going on in my life did catch up with me. And mm-hmm. I, when I sort of got to university, I realised like there's so much that affected me in my past. Um, and so when I started really struggling at university, that's when I realised the reason why I struggled so much is because what happened to me with my like the family breakdown, mm-hmm. I never really got support through that. So I never knew how to sort of like heal and things. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. And, and during kind of school, did you get much support, you know, during this? I think in your your chapter, you kind of talk about going to see sort of GPs and stuff like that. And you, and you touch briefly on, on seeing therapists, you know, what kind of support did, did you receive? Um, I didn't really get a lot from school itself mm-hmm. that I can remember. Like the teachers where I were, they actually took me out of some lessons that maybe even touched on like family breakdown. So I was taken out of some lessons, but... There was never really a counsellor at my school that I was aware of. So after that first panic attack, my mum took me to the doctor and they sort of referred me to therapy. But with the doctors, there's always with NHS waiting times, it's like a six month waiting time. So I was very fortunate that my mum like paid for private therapy. But I think, again, because I was so focused on GCSEs, I just found it so hard in therapy to talk about that stuff. And I was just thinking, God, I need, I, I need to concentrate on my GCSEs. Like, I just wanted to focus on that. I didn't want to like focus on everything that happened before that. Um, and then sort of through college, I was still having these panic attacks. So I was seeing like, I got referred to like CBT during college. Um, again, when I asked for college for help, um, they said the counsellors there on site didn't have the timetable that matched up with mine. So again, I had to go through the NHS, which is when I got CBT, which did help, but it was only like six sessions. So I didn't feel like it helped me entirely. And then just before I went to university, I found the therapist who I think worked best for me. She was private but I could talk about things at my own pace. I could focus on what I wanted to focus on. It wasn't like, didn't feel very like textbook therapy, which I felt like NHS really just felt very rigid. Whereas um, private therapy, I felt personally helped me more, but I know the NHS is, does amazing things. And and in your chapter, you, you see you got diagnosed with generalized anxiety. Is that something you're still kind of, um, you know, processing and going through now? Yeah, I definitely think that affects more sort of than the depression does now. I think the depression is really under control. But yeah, I think just having an anxiety disorder, especially something so literally called generalized. So it just it, mm. it affects everything. So I said recently when I changed jobs, I was just like the weeks leading up to it, I was just so nervous. It's like, oh my God, what if I don't like it? Like, am I going to have to leave the job? And I was like, and then I just thought I had to bring it back. I was like, Kiri, you haven't even started yet. Just give it a chance. Like, if you don't like it, it's really not the end of the world. Um, so yeah, my, I think. The thing with generalised anxiety disorder, I really just like panic about things way before they even happen, which is which is what happened during my school years as well. Like with exams, I would worry like months and months in advance, like I couldn't eat or anything. And then on the actual day of the exam, I'll absolutely fine. It was just the most bizarre thing. Um, but yeah, I've really found journaling helped with that. And mm. obviously seeing therapists, they helped me kind of address those thoughts. And like I used to make a little worry box. So mm. like for like one hour a day or whatever I would like set a time and just worry about everything and then after that I was like right I need to do something else to distract myself and then I wouldn't just keep like ruminating about it and is it something that you um kind of hid from others or or try to kind of 
you know not show as much to others is it is it was it kind of a, a very personal thing for you yeah for sure I think even in like back in school I didn't really tell many of my like they knew my parents had divorced but a lot of them didn't really know the extent of it mm-hmm. and even now when I talk to my friends a lot of them are like god I had no idea you were going through that like way back when so I'm way more open about it now I think because mm-hmm. I've gone through it in therapy I know how to address it and how it affects me but definitely when I was a teenager I was obviously embarrassed about what was happening to me and then with the panic attacks I would often have them privately and when they started happening again at university I was just like alone on campus having these panic attacks because I just didn't want my friends to see me like that because my first year generally I was like fine I didn't really struggle with mental health but it was when second year rolled around was when my mental health was really declined because the course got hard and my living situation changed and I was like, oh my God, all my friends know me as being really like confident and happy. And from first year, it's like, I don't want them seeing me like this. And I think that whole like culmination of me just isolating myself and like not dealing with things here just made everything so much worse before mm. I eventually dropped out because I just couldn't really cope with anything anymore. Yeah, you, let's jump onto that topic then of, of you sort of dropping out. What was what was going through your head through that? And, and what was that process like? Um, so yeah the dropping out was definitely by far one of the hardest things I've been through um, so again it was it was in second year of university I had like a panic attack for the first time in about two years and I was like oh my god what was wrong with me I thought I was like over this now um, so luckily on that day with the university I think because obviously a few years have passed like, people were more aware of mental health so I went to the student services and they were um, luckily there was a mental health first aider there so she like calmed my breathing down like she talked to me about what was going on so she was really helpful um and she said oh we can refer you to university counseling I was like amazing but then there was an eight week wait and I was like that's such a long time and I think in those eight weeks I was going back and forth in student services but again I was talking to different people each time so I like kind of rehash all my trauma and it just made it so hard all of this being out in the open and again I was trying to like study a really hard degree and it was just like all too much and like on and off medication, which again, was really affecting me in a negative way. And it just kind of all reached ahead. I think it was like the end of January in 2019. And it was only been like three weeks after Christmas and the university council was like, Kiri, like you're not getting better. She's like, what do you want to do? Like you need to decide something now because something, this is not improving. And um, she, and I said, look, I need to, I need to go home and talk to my mum because like my mum is my best friend. And I just feel like she's my voice of reason. So. <laughs> Um, yeah I literally the train from my university back home was like three hours and I literally cried all the way on this train home and like I'd lost loads of weight as well in that time because my anxiety affects my eating a lot so even at Christmas all my family noticed the weight loss but I just kind of lied and said oh yeah yeah I'm fine it's just like stressful at uni uh, because I just thought like I can't change now I'm like halfway through my degree I can't just drop out Um, but before I like went back home in that January she my counselor discussed intercalation which is where you can take a period of leave from university due to mental health physical health or like personal reasons so it can be like six months it can be a year it's like however long you want it to be really until you like feel okay to come back and they pause your funding and everything and I'd never heard of it before it happened to me so we discussed that she's like look go home to your mum discuss what you want to do and then sort of come back and tell us so I went home to my mum that weekend I was like mum I was like I just need to come home away from university I just things are just not good and I saw my family that weekend and they were like, yeah, you need to come home from university. I think that's when they realised well, how like unwell I was. So went back to university. I had to have lots of different meetings with like, my personal tutor and sort of the registry team so they could like pause my funding and everything. And then I packed all my bags and then came back home like just before my 20th birthday in February. 
and I, I felt extremely lost and I was like okay I haven't got this big stress in my life I'm like what on earth do I do now um so I just got a part-time job in a nursery which gave me enough money and and I gave me enough money to go to therapy again and in those sort of six months I was off from like February to the following September and yeah in that time I made more time for my friends and I think I that was the first proper time that like since everything happened in my teenagers I just made time for myself and I was focusing on myself and not grades or exams or anything and I was like right I'm gonna use this time to make myself better and that's what I did and what kind of stuff was that that you that you did to look after yourself you know what what was what was the difference in your lifestyle um I mean before I dropped out of university I was not interested in fitness at all like I was always picked last in PE but I remember going back to the doctors because I was like thinking should I go back on medication like at least I'm home now to try it so I'm not worried about how it's going to affect exam grades and we just sort of discussed medication again and he said he said in 16 to 25 year olds like sometimes exercise can be better he was like have you been have you signed up to a gym before and I said no I haven't but I was like I was willing to try anything so yeah I started going to the gym like three four times a week and I really noticed like my mood increased obviously going to the gym it makes me so hungry so I was back to eating normally again and sort of since then I have not cut exercise out of my diet I don't go to the gym anymore I just do home workouts it's a lot cheaper (laughs) Um, but yeah that's something that massively changed and then I saw a therapist like every fortnight in that time I was off university Um, I don't see her anymore but obviously I still use her techniques and such as journaling is a huge one if I'm really stressed out I write like two lists of what I can control and what I can't control things I can't control I just need to like sort of breathe through them and just like almost like metaphorically let them go mm-hmm. but then the things I can control I just write down how I'm going to control that if I need to like contact someone about it or do some like horrible admin on my laptop or whatever that's kind of how I deal with those sort of day-to-day anxieties um mm. yeah those are the sort of main things I think definitely helped me take care of myself and what I still do now and what kind of advice would you give our listeners um some of whom might be going through what you went through or have kind of been you know in in those sort of situations and 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 kind of still trying to figure out what's the best way to to deal with with that with that past you know what kind of advice would you give to those people um I think it's so important everyone says it but it's just to talk about it to someone mm. whether it's starting with like your mum or your best friend and then maybe like talking to a therapist because I feel like therapy is the most objective um thing you can do and they can actually give you proper advice but I think admitting first yourself and then admitting to a friend or a family member that you're not okay is like the biggest step you can take and then from there you can get better like it does take time you won't feel better overnight um but yeah definitely talk talk to someone about it because it really will make a difference and you can always get out of a bad situation like I was so I was so convinced I couldn't I couldn't leave university I thought I'm gonna have to be like this for like two years before I graduate but every my mum always says everything can be like fixed or changed like you're not stuck anywhere so yeah that's my biggest advice um I just think it's so important to talk about your feelings I think people do still talk about those like feelings more now than they did when I was back in school but I think it's just it's equally as important to just know where to take those feelings if you're struggling whether that's going to a professional in your institution or going to a doctor um there's all well and good like telling your mum but obviously your mum may may or may not be <laughs> trained in mental health so definitely talk to a professional as well I mean that was a incredible whirlwind of a, of a, a story there and a super brief um or super quick um rundown of it but also I think some really good bits of advice and tips uh in that that hopefully will have lots of people but in saying all of that we've got to say a huge congratulations to you Kara because 
you're a published author which is crazy and I know I still can't believe it myself and it'll it'll make you laugh my nan actually rang me the other day and she's like oh I've recommended your book like she well first of all she read it in one city which my nan does not read she's like there's nothing on tv so I just read the whole book I was like okay and she's like oh one of my friends uh grandsons is really struggling so I recommended the book and then my aunt said oh she's like oh your nan is like recommended me the book can you send me the link and I'll send it off to like my child's friends I was like wow so my nan is a great saleswoman so <laughs> oh we gotta hire her give, yeah. give me uh, her contact details and, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get her. yeah exactly we'll get her employed um but yeah how does it feel to you know have your story there in a in a, in a book yeah it's just it's it's such a like massive moment and I think when I was going through it, as I said, two, three years ago, I wish I had something like that to read. Like it was, mm. I would have loved to have read about someone who had dropped out or taken a break from university. Cause I just, I did not know anyone close to me that had done something similar or the people who had dropped out had dropped out maybe two days into their first year. Whereas I dropped out like halfway through my second year. Um, so yeah, that's why I talk about it so much like myself and in the book. So I just think it's really important. And there could be so many people out there going through the same things. So hopefully reading my chapter and the other chapters as well in the book will help people that need it. And uh, it'll be amazing to hear a little snippet of your chapter, if possible. Of course. So I've actually chosen my final um, paragraph because I just feel like it sums it up quite well. So the little subheading is my advice to you. If you take anything away from my story, please know that it's okay to leave something which, make, which is making you unhappy and there is help available. There is enormous pressure for young people to go to university. However, if you know that's not for you, don't force yourself into it. I'm grateful for my journey now, but I was, but it was extremely hard. I also learned that it's okay to do things at a different pace to your friends. Yes, I graduated later, but I got the grade I wanted and I'm left knowing I studied something I enjoyed in the end. You can go to university any time in your life. Your health is so much more important. Education is not worth feeling sick over. Focus on what you enjoy and don't feel pressure to do anything you don't want to do. You will find your path. How amazing, honestly. <laughs> what wise words in there. Fantastic. Um, what made you decide to, you know, to kind of tell your story? Um, but not just tell your story, but like, you know, tell it and, and for, for, for millions and millions of people around oh the world <laughs> to, to read. Um, I, I again, as, as I sort of just said, I think when I was going through it myself, I just wish I had something mm-hmm. like that to read. And I think even for me personally, I've, I've been talking about it on my own sort of platforms already and it gets like a really positive response. And I just think obviously not everyone uses social media. So I thought this book would just be great. And if it's like in universities now or in the future and a student who may be struggling picks it up and it just helps one person, I'd feel so proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think I've, and there's so many other inspiring stories in the book as well, which I hope I know will help so many people. So that's why I want to be a part of a project like this. Well, it's been absolutely fantastic to have you part of the project. Um, you know, you and the 49 others are just absolutely incredible um, and really, really inspiring. And so a huge thank you to, to for, for taking part and, and, you know, putting yourself out there and being, you know, thank you for having quite, me. <laughs> quite vulnerable, right? And, and yeah. putting all your story out there. Um, and I know, not that I, I think, I know it's going to help a lot of people. Um, but that kind of brings us to the end of today's student sessions. Um, so Kira, thank you so much for joining me today. It's amazing to talk to you. I'm sure we could talk for ages. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been... <laughs> A blast to have you on.
thank you so much for having me and yeah make sure you all go and buy the books it will definitely help you out as we've just said a million times 100 <laughs> 100 um so thanks again kira for joining us and being so amazing and so inspirational um and thank you to our listeners for joining us again on uh, the student sessions and until next time uh, see you soon If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on socials. Just search TG Consulting on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Covering an incredibly diverse variety of themes from mental health to discrimination, imposter syndrome to student parenthood, The Truth Behind the Filter offers 50 unique and inspirational stories detailing the various barriers our authors have overcome. You can find it in WH Smith, Waterstones and other great bookstores worldwide. You can also find it online at these places and on Amazon. Just search The Truth Behind the Filter to feel inspired now.